Hello and welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 26. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as usual, I'm joined by the man himself, Mr. Chad Owen from Brooklyn, New York. Hey, Sydney, what's going on? Hey, listen, I'm just loving this series of Bucharest Innovators. Can you imagine how much we got out of one live show? We we met some amazing people. There's just incredible resilience amongst all of our featured guests. There was this clarity of purpose. And you just walk away with, from, from meeting all these people very confident that they're all going to thrive and grow and, and be incredibly successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm counting the uh, months until I get back to Bucharest to reconnect with everyone, uh, not only our, our our guests but also everyone in the audience as well that that participated. But one of my favorite mantras from the evening came from the guest that we'll be hearing from in this episode, Magda Ropatan dropped this bombshell on us. She led with this idea of design your life. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the powerful thing about this thought is it actually connected to what we heard in the live show in Amsterdam from uh, Johan van Mill. And uh, she was essentially applying thinking that we use in the business world to our personal lives. And, and I thought that was re- really strong. And what she challenged everyone to do is think for a moment, are they really organizing their life in a way that they're going to reach the outcomes that they they hope to to reach? And it's informed, obviously, from Stanford's uh, D School, where a lot of design thinking has emanated from. And um, I, I found her philosophy very powerful, and especially because she's worked in Egypt and Russia and Romania. She's incredibly well-traveled. She, I think we also have to mention that she was for many, many years a leading HR executive at IKEA Europe. So she's worked with some amazing people and she brought, again, another very unique point of view to the show that we did in Bucharest. Mm-hmm. I think her direct experience with all of these people working inside of these interesting companies was really interesting and refreshing to hear from someone like like Magda. So without further ado, we can go straight to the Moonshots Live broadcast from Bucharest and hear from Magda Ropatan. Will you please welcome to the stage, Miss Magda Ropotan. Thank you. Magda, thank you for coming on the show for this live uh, broadcast. It's fabulous to have you with us. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Chad. And good afternoon, everyone. Hey. It's really a pleasure to be here. And I must say you are putting me in a situation where it's a new thing for me three times. First time is in a show, in a podcast. First time on a poster. Someone put me on a poster over there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 as and, an astronaut. And first time as an astronaut. So yeah. thank you for so, giving me this, you know, exciting uh, opportunity. This is the real moonshot experience. Um, okay, so I, I'm really fascinated to know uh, somebody who traveled the world and had all this great corporate experience working not only in HR, but also in innovation, with all of the opportunities, I mean, and let's be clear, we're talking about Magda was working at one of the greatest brands on the planet, Ikea, right? Yet you, that was not enough, and you had the courage, the the foresight to jump and to create your own company. Tell us a little bit about that big step in your life. Yeah, 
Well, I don't know how much of a foresight that was. <laughs> uh, I am actually a corporate product. I started to work in a corporation when I was 19. And I enjoyed it. It's been a good journey for me. And, uh, uh, and somehow I had the opportunity to work with big companies, big brands, great bosses. Um, and um, at, at some moment, after actually I had served an assignment abroad, I felt the need to go back home uh, after being three years in Russia. And that was the moment when I realized that maybe it's, it's the time to give myself a break. And I was not sure how that break would be. I just wanted to do an executive MBA. And then I would try something else. And somehow in this two years period of time, uh, this um, thing with innovation took shape. It actually started while I was still in the corporate uh, world. I started to be interested in that. And then when I took a break, I started to explore more the subject, travel the world also for innovation this time. And then somehow uh, my former company heard, you know, we see you are interested in that. We have a project. Why don't you, you know, come back and do it with us? And somehow this kind of gave me the first opportunity to work as a freelance consultant. And um, actually, that's when I met you. Yeah, it, it is. We have to say, actually, I got to meet you at the beginning of this journey. Yeah. And we prototyped together. We innovated. It was great, wasn't it? Yeah. In a very snowy uh, February in Moscow, I have to say, wasn't it? Yes. And you brought with you 22 people from Romania, including a fitness instructor. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's another story for the cocktail bar. Um, I'm, I'm curious, Magda. I'm sure there's a lot of people in the audience or... Uh, that are watching that find themselves in in a large corporation in in maybe a particular role. What gave you the courage or confidence to know that you could go out and start something on your own? Because I'm sure that there's lots of other people that are maybe thinking about just going and doing it. But what was that final push for you? I, I would say that it um, after I took this project, which was basically in between, I was not really an you know. A, a, an entrepreneur at the time. I was being hired by my former employer, but as a consultant. I think the time, the time when people started to hear about what I do, and, and then it went like that, you know, someone said to someone that I'm doing this innovation facilitation, and then someone, that someone called me and said, hey, we want you to do this with us. And then someone else heard, and then someone else heard, and then people from Romania started to hear, and then in the end, that's how it happened that I started to do mostly this. And then I realized there is a market for me, so I kind of prototyped and experienced on the way with different projects. And I think I was lucky because it's, it's somehow that the market embraced me and uh, I found a niche that uh, needed me to facilitate innovation projects, especially for big companies. I work nowadays, um, but that's how it happened. I I don't have this spectacular story, you know, that uh, I had a strong drive to uh, do something else. I just wanted a break, and then in this break, somehow my mind uh, yeah. uh, found so, another path. So you created this space, and and you and you've. Uh, got yourself into the position where you're surrounded by clients, colleagues, and peers, and people that are fascinated in design thinking. So you've really, you know, 
If we think about Elena's journey of going through this valley of darkness and having a moment where you get through, you've definitely come out on the other side. So I want you to imagine that all the people here might have a dream, um, but they're kind of stuck, okay? What advice do you have for them? You know, Sebastian wants them to go out and vote, right? I want to know, like, what advice would you give for someone who's maybe sitting in the tower in a tall corporate tower and they have a dream to do something else? What advice do you have for them? Yeah, just go out and prototype. <laughs> Speaking about prototyping. Fantastic. Uh, and actually, there is a course uh, on design thinking. I think it's one of the most popular courses at Stanford. It's called Design Your Life. And this is what uh, it advises you. When you have this dream, just go out and try to prototype it. And prototyping a dream can mean simple things. Just go and have a conversation with someone that already does that thing that you are aspiring to or just go out and I don't know if you want to open a beach bar just go out and you know uh, get yourself uh, one week working in a beach bar see whether you like this sort of lifestyle I think everything can be prototyped in a way I'm a big fan of prototyping I know you are as well uh, so everything can be prototyped and before you make the big step you can actually try and see do I actually like it because it's one thing to see it from, you know, from, mm. the, from the eyes of the customer, you know, seeing this uh, very nice life, uh, you know, having a terrace on the beach, uh, enjoying a cocktail. But then when you actually start running such a business, maybe you don't want to yes. do it. Reality sets in. Yes. So that's, that's really interesting because obviously we love to encourage people to get out there and to test their ideas, to learn with uh, prototyping with, with customers. And what's really interesting is I love the idea, and we're seeing this again, is that just because you use design thinking in the office doesn't mean you, can, you can't yeah, use it. Prototype in, your life. Yeah. I love it. And, yeah. and I want to take you guys back to a little story we heard uh, in the Amsterdam live show. It was fa fascinating. One of our guests, Johan van Mill, he uh, wanted to move out of the city of uh, Amsterdam, out of the centre, and they wanted to move, he really wanted to move really into like almost a forest. But his wife was like, oh, that is the crazy, I'm never leaving Amsterdam, our friends are here and so forth. And uh, he's a very successful investor in Amsterdam. And do you know what he did? He said, well, okay, uh, let's get uh, five different Airbnbs in different neighbourhoods outside of the city and they tried it and they, they now live in the forest yeah. and not in the city yeah. and then they prototype their life. So I love this advice for anybody uh, who's thinking, who has a dream, like move out of the, the mind and, and like start to put it into action. Yeah. But what if, what if I fail? What if I don't like it? What then? Ooh. You try another iteration. Right, so you, and actually this uh, exercise, there is a book uh, written about this, Design Your Life. Uh, it asks you to do three different journeys. Uh, one journey is just about improving the things that you don't like, right? Because we all have things that we don't like in our lives. The second journey is um, uh, imagining uh, that money and shame would not be a problem. <laughs> Wow. Right? And the third journey is imagine you can't do the things that you do today. Hmm. So you are asked in this design thinking exercise to design, to create these, to ideate these three different journeys, and then you can pick different things to prototype from them. And then in the end, all the pieces come together in, a, in the ideal journey that you want to have. 
Design your life from the D school, huh? Yeah, this, I love it. This sounds very, very inspiring. Now, I just want to segue into inspiration, not necessarily from design thinking, but I just want to like share with the audience, you have worked in... What a cocktail of locations. Uh, apart from, obviously, you've mentioned uh, Russia and Romania, Turkey, Serbia, Bulgaria, and Egypt. Oh, my gosh. Like, this is like the coolest bunch of places that like, anyone could have worked. I mean, what, here's what I want to know. What, is it, what inspiration have you drawn? You've met, you must have met some amazing people, so different, with different cultural lenses. What have you taken from that journey? What, what, what do you remember? What are the defining moments of learning and inspiration that you've had from all these different countries? Yeah, it's at some moment I had this uh, because I had a regional role. So you know, I was actually HR manager for five countries, uh, and it was interesting that we had people on four continents with four different religions, and putting people together in an organization in in a team in this um, in this diversity, uh, it's actually very beautiful. To, to, to witness and to be part of, but it's, it's, all, it's not so easy to, to build. So it takes a lot of conscious effort to really understand and respect the differences of, of the cultures and to really take the best out of each of us and build a culture that can function together. And I think this is the biggest learning I have taken with me to really look into into the talents and into the strengths of every single individual beyond the culture and beyond the, the nationality. So, mm. so my mind boggles. How, do you, how on earth do you do that? Like, yeah. What does that look like? like? What magic recipe do you use? So how did you find the goodness in all those people? How did you find that? that like what tactics and techniques do you use? Yeah, it's always through the... I mean, we were in a large organization, obviously you, I, I, I couldn't do all by myself, but it's always by the relationships that leaders build with their own people and, and the kind of conversations and the honest discussions you bring and try to see what's the best version of the person that you could possibly have at work. And, and of course, you can also go on a more sophisticated path, you know, do the test, see what are people good at. But in general, it's just observing the things that people do with pleasure, the things that people uh, find energy in doing, they never get tired of them, mm. uh, okay. and then uh, try to use more of that mm. in, in, in a team. Doubling down, this is actually kind of fascinating, so looking at what people are enjoying and just making sure that the environment is allowing them to do more of that instead of telling them what to do and maybe some things that they don't enjoy. Yeah, I mean, this is the, there is a, a big shift happening already for some years now that, you know, people started to wonder, is it actually right to keep focusing on the things that are wrong with people? Or maybe is it wiser to build on the things that people are good at? And uh, Gallup has actually made a very uh, extensive study on that, you, you know, the Gallup yep. organization, yep. and they have uh, even proved that when people use their strengths at work, they are actually not only happier, but, if, uh, but they are more productive as well. Mm -hmm. yes. mm -hmm. And, um, uh, of course, it improves retention yep. and... 
There, there's a fantastic book for everyone in the audience called Strengths Finder 2.0, yeah. which is actually directly related to Gallup, yeah. I understand, yeah. yep. which is a fantastic tool you can use if you want to find your strengths, if you want to find the archetype that you are on how to understand. And I, when I did Strengths Finder, it was one of the single greatest aha moments in my yeah. career. I remember it very clearly in London. I did Strengths Finder, and you, you, you fill out, you read the book, you do the extensive uh, survey. And then in front of you is a diagnostic of who you really are and how you behave. And it is one of the most powerful, slightly humbling, oh, that's me. But it's also, oh, I see where I, am, where I have strengths. And then it immediately becomes, and you start to look for things that fit that. And it seems that what you're suggesting is it's all, building great teams is all about getting as many people as possible in their area of strength. Yeah. So... Um, if, if somebody is leading a team, and let's try and combine your two areas of practice, okay? Yes. I, like where, the, I now, like where this is going. You know now, what I'm going to do. Now I'm putting my HR hat Yeah, right? no, I'm, I'm putting both hats on. Okay. So somebody's leading a team, but they're not just like managing the status quo. We're not like paper shuffling bureaucrats. We're going to go for a big moonshot, okay? So we're going to do something innovative. We're going to get a whole team to do it. It's like skunk works here in 2018. What advice do you give for people that are perhaps embarking on such a mission? They may be, they're already at a company, a uh, small or medium company, or maybe they're a unit inside a, large, inside a large organization, but they have to lead that group. What advice do you have for those leaders trying to get a group of people to sail for something really big? To build that vision of where they want to sail together with their people. Um, I like very much a quote from IDEO, uh, and uh, they say, people want to change. They just don't want to be changed. They want to be given the possibility to build their own future. So, uh, and this is something that we also do a lot when we work with innovation. We try to co-create this future together with people. Mm. And I had a great teacher in innovation. His name is Heis van Wolfen. And he, all, he has this saying about loving other people's children. Because nobody actually loves other people's children. You only love your own. You may, you know, in the best scenario, like them, but you will probably not love them, right? Yes. So it's always great that, because innovation especially, it, it, it's a big project, like, you know, having yes. a children, uh, a child, to actually build this child together with the team. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, so it's a story of empowerment and, and self-direction, helping them be part of writing the future rather than like, here's the future, go do it, right? That's yeah. what you're saying. C creating the brief together yeah. and setting the goal together yeah. so that they can, they can move together. Yes, the mission of the project. And not even the, the, this, future scenario, this future scenario that you are aiming to, I think it can be built together because, you know, sometimes you, you can imagine a future yes because there is a, this famous uh, journalist he said that future is already here it's just not evenly distributed so if you just pick up the signs of today and you make this exercise of imagination thinking okay if i don't know teleportation would become mainstream how would the business my business be affected, you know, mm. 10 years from mm. now. Or if, I don't know, VR would be mainstream. So you can pick up a lot of these weak signals and you can actually build different scenarios. And in this exercise of building scenarios that 
are very, you know, uh, preferred maybe for your business, I think you shall always take on board your team. And because that is when they will try to build that story. Mm. The, I think the biggest progress of humanity was made when people chose to, you know, make their own story better and, you know, build another story. Yeah. Well, that's also perfect advice, I think, for Team Romania as well, huh? Get everybody on the same page, let everyone contribute and go for it together. Well, I think that is a perfect segue to distributing the future of Chad, but the future of Chad with a, uh, a Romanian delicacy. Magda, we, we've had the, the, the Kozanak, uh, we've had the Negresa, so what should be the next fine tasting uh, treat for, for young Chad Owen? Oh, I think you shall try this prajitura uh, govishine. Okay, which one's that you have to point? Yes. This one? Okay. This one. And this is a sour cherries cake. So as Chad is consuming his uh, sour cherries cake, he is going to grab his mic and he's going to jump into the audience. Now, I have to say you should be very inspired by these three Romanian entrepreneurs and innovators. They've, they've made a calling to Team Romania. So this time... We're going to look for a hand, a raising of the hand from the audience. Someone who has a learning or an insight that they want to share. There's a gentleman in a green jacket. He's almost, there it is. Here he comes. There it is. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. <clears throat> Thank you, Magda. Uh, what I take away from, uh, from your presentation, and I really loved it, is the idea, the very simple idea, as all truths are, that you can prototype your life. And... Uh, I loved, I loved it very much because probably it's an invitation to take ourselves less serious and be more courageous in trying things before doing the, uh, that huge step, definite step, definitive step that scares the hell out of many people. Yes. So just trying and prototyping is uh, the way forward and this mm. is what I take away from this speech. Thank you very much again. That's Thank great. You. That's great. Um, is there anybody else who has uh, an insight to share? The man who is full of uh, sour cherry cake is ready to bring the mic to you. He's very good at locating very intelligent ladies in the front row, three from the side. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. my name. Thank you, Magda, for today's speech. I, I myself was particularly inspired by this prototype your life and especially because of, a, of the power of an insight. And this insight is you don't have to, to make too big a jump. You don't have to, to think of a too big a solution. But you just take small steps, like for instance, talk to someone. Like for instance, um, grab uh, some insights around you. And I think this, is, this gives a lot of courage to people that, uh, who do not know how to begin mm. with their dream. Mm. And I think this is really, really inspiring. Start small because it, it's still a start and it, it might be more powerful than, than yeah. the biggest jump that you'd expect. And thank you for that. All right. Well said. Okay, everybody, please give it up for Mrs. Magda Ropotan. Well, there you have it, Mike. So many learnings from our live show in Bucharest. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So on that note, Chad, I want to thank you. I want to thank all of our listeners. It's been great having you on board for the journey so far, and there's plenty more to come. So take care, everyone. Uh, find us at moonshots.io. And I think that brings us to the end of the show. That's a wrap. <laughs>